Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. Let's break down episode two of The Last of Us, Infected. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Episode 2 of The Last of Us has me sold on this show. I really enjoyed the first episode, but it was a little long, and I wasn't completely sold on this like being the next big thing in TV. But after episode 2, I am all aboard. Sign me up. I found it thrilling, suspenseful, so well-directed, so well-acted, and I cannot wait for the next episode. And it also had so many great Easter eggs from the video game, which I'll get into in a little bit, as well as I'll talk about the diversions of the plot and characters from video game to TV series and why the creators are making these decisions. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's all pushing the story in the same direction. But I was also floored. The first episode, I thought the opening was terrific, and I think I read somewhere that originally that first episode was going to be broken up into two, so they kind of condensed it and pushed them together to make that opening opening episode, which was a great opening, but it lagged a little bit for some people. We watched it with a couple people. They were kind of a little tuned out halfway through. I understand because you've got a lot of characters, this whole new world to yeah. introduce. But this episode, episode two, Infected of The Last of Us, floored me as, as someone who's uh, six hours into the gameplay of the video game, which I'm loving, the way they introduced... The clickers pretty early on already and how they changed some things to make it more engaging for a viewing audience, for TV people watching on TV on HBO Max. I thought they made incredible decisions, not to mention the production of the show is stellar. It's when you, when you compare it to like Game of Thrones, we're used to like the big budget for these period piece shows or like medieval fantasy. But yeah. then you see it in a contemporary setting of a modern world and what they can do in this kind of landscape in a post-apocalyptic world. And it's just, of course, it's gonna look incredible. And they didn't, sh- they didn't film this show in Boston. It was filmed in Canada. It wasn't in Boston, guy. <laughs> yeah, it was not in Boston, kid. But it looks incredible. I mean, our mother, she worked at the State House when we were kids for four years, and so we were pretty familiar with that building and the exteriors. Going there to visit her, at, visit her at work, and they they did such an incredible job with the daylight exteriors in this episode. You could tell there maybe one or two where there's just a big LCD screen. Yeah. But in terms of uh, other than that, huge exterior production design landscapes with obviously massive green screens way in the background. But in terms of what they did with that bridge and just walking along those massive shots, the wide shots where it's not a green screen, it's like b- b- way far behind them. But the, the yeah, production yeah. design, they went tooth and nail you could tell painstakingly designing these huge locations outdoors i found it really impressive because this show obviously there's going to be a lot of traveling and we're not going to be in one location for multiple episodes and it seems that's my guess that uh locations aren't going to be repeated for especially for probably most of the show if i'm right and so they got to build everything and what they're doing a tremendous job of doing is they're both building sets but also extending them with di- with digital effects and vi- visual effects and CGI. So they're building out a really good landscape, enough to film these scenes and actually move about the space for a, a decent amount of uh, time for each sequence. And then they're extending the backgrounds. They're throwing all sorts of stuff on rec- of, of the vines and things taking over, the nature taking over architecture things in the background that they're flourishing with and they can even get away with actually shooting in the real city uh, wherever they're filming and then lacing over cgi on top of the buildings and most of the time it looks really fantastic i find it very impressive by both the production team and the visual effects team basically combining uh, their departments to create 
entire environments that are completely believable to the human eye. I find it really, really terrific production. And I'm also just impressed with the story so far. I found this episode so suspenseful. This is, now I gotta say, the best thing of horror on TV that I've seen in a very long time. Being a fan of horror, I was at the edge of my seat for a couple of the sequences here. They did an excellent excellent job of slowly rolling out the suspense, of uh, taking away music, and we're just in the silence. And they're doing a good job of, like, they're not, they're building suspense by showing, like, that, that recently dead body that's been slashed to bits. We're like, what the hell could have done that? And even having both Tess and Joel, like, their the looks on their faces when they see that body, they're, they're being worried makes us worried. Like, these two have been on top of it, can handle anything. But now they're scared? That got me scared. And I thought that sequence was really terrific. But before we get a little bit deeper, do you know about the flower egg Easter eggs in episode one? Which ones? So, uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know much about the lore of the game, uh, but I believe that wheat is that theorized to be a cause of the outbreak? Okay, so like the flower plant. The flower plant. So, And then we see the flower plant mentioned in the Indonesian opening, which I found terrific. We'll get into that in a sec. But there are a couple Easter eggs laced in the first episode of the lead actors, of the lead characters not eating anything that we eaten it. So remember she wanted to make pancakes, but they didn't have like the flour or something. So they ended up... Oh, not, you mean with Joel with his yeah, daughter, yeah. Ellie. So they ended up not having the pancakes... And then the the next door neighbor, she I mean, was not Ellie, Sarah. Sarah, sorry. next door neighbor, the old woman was baking cookies, and Sarah's excited. Are they chocolate chip? And she goes, "No, raisin." And clearly, Sarah hates raisin cookies, so she didn't end up eating them. And there is another thing where Joel forgot the birthday cake. He comes home, they sit on the couch. She's like, "Did you get the cake?" He's like, "Oh, I forgot Come it." Come on, dude. That's another thing with the flour in it that they didn't eat, but they were intending to eat, but it just didn't work out. So there, and there's another one I can't remember. Someone sent this to me. I found it really fantastic. Like to throw these Easter eggs in the episode, but not even mention it with dialogue, not even mention it with exposition. And then we get a little Easter egg of a flower plant, of a wheat plant, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Indonesia storyline, which I thought was a really strong opening. This got me reminiscent of Chernobyl, and the same showrunner who did Chernobyl is doing this uh, series for HBO Max. Craig Mason, this is the yeah. episode he directed, too. This had me feeling like... I was getting Contagion vibes. I was getting Chernobyl vibes. And so I think that intro, both films, both episodes have opened with an introduction, first with that TV interview, and then this time with the science biology breakdown of an expert in her field being asked by the government to be like, what the hell is going on with this dead body? I found them both to be really terrific introductions of giving us exposition and some more background of what's going on slowly to get us up to speed. This was a perfect episode of television, I think. It was one of my favorites I've seen in a long time. And it's on IMDb. Infected, episode 2, is rated at 9.9. Episode 1 was at 9.2, but 9.9 is so high on IMDb. And what I loved about this was the great opening in Indonesia, where we can assume the outbreak started. I haven't gotten too far into the game, so I don't know if Indi- Indonesia, they've, they've talked about it, they've referenced it. In the first episode, that was an Easter yeah. egg as well, where Sarah knew the capital of Indonesia, and they were talking about it. And I like how you know they showcased that the United States is not the center of the universe. Let's see what happened in this other country when the virus virus and the cydropops, cydrops, or whatever whatever the term was for the fungal infection, side, 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 side rock, side rock, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We just watched it. 
What that was like in the outbreak in Indonesia with the experts, I thought it was really incredible. Great production design. Terrific acting from the Indonesian actors and actresses. I thought they really sold those sequences, especially when the expert, the professor... Cord- cordyceps. Cordyceps. I was we way were off. way off. <laughs> Samsonite. But when I was she- way off. <laughs> Swanson? Swanson? Samsonite? I, I I loved so much when they took her from lunch. They brought her to the lab. She took a look at the sample to come to her own conclusions. Then she tested the, the dead body for whatever was inside of it with the, the scalpel. And she was terrified. And you just you see the, the look of terror and fear on her face as this expert. And she knows, and you can see in her eyes, terrific performance, that she knows she's going to die. And she knows she's not leaving the city. That's why she wants to go home and be with her family. And she tells the, uh, we can only assume is maybe a general or a lieutenant or something in the military of Indonesia, you have to start bombing the city right now. That's how you That's how you contain this. There's no such thing as a vaccine. There's no medicine. Start bombing this city ASAP. And then that, we got more sequences later on when they're walking around Boston. Obviously, it was in Canada when they shot it. But the bomb holes, <laughs> and Ellie's asking about those bomb holes, and you know this is probably done all over the world, to try to contain the virus, do what they could to slow it down, slow the spread down. And Tess has that great line, like, where it worked pretty well here, but it was not enough, obviously. But it's so crazy to see the scope of this of this disease. But then I love how the rest of the entire episode is three characters. The entire time, it's Tess, Joel, and Ellie. And Tess, if you know the game, she dies at the, at the state house. And I like how the showrunners and the creators, they knew this character was somebody we'd really get attached to early on. And what a terrific performance from Anna Turv, who... You may recognize Mindhunter from, from yeah Mindhunter and a yeah. tor- Torv, but she's terrific in Mindhunter and she's in those two seasons and as like one of those lead detective analysts, the the writer, the professor as well. And uh, I thought her role as Tess in this second episode was phenomenal. It was heartbreaking. I knew it was coming. I was curious how they were gonna do it. She was the best actor of the episode. But the, like I would say, the main difference of what they did with the state house from the game is I understand why they're pushing the fireflies more of a location. They want to introduce that storyline sooner. They're like. They're, like, knocking it on, like, getting us familiar with the name. Exactly, yeah. because in the video game, spoilers if you haven't played the game and, and you want to, I just want to let you... I wanna, yeah, I tell like, us everything. I, I like showing the differences yeah, between tell the us game everything. And, the, and, the, and the show, is when they get to the state house and then Fedra shows up, and also there isn't a bunch of infected. Those are the runners, the ones who are kind of just, like, more zombies running, and they still somewhat look humanoid. And so it's not, like, a big escape from her blowing up the state house to stop them. You actually are Joel... And Tess sacrifices herself to slow them down, Fedra, while you and Ellie run away. But then Joel and you, you take out a bunch of people. And you, that's when you get the rifle and everything, which is really cool. So you kill a bunch of guys in the statehouse. But I like how they're doing it in terms of, like, introducing the Fireflies earlier on for the general audience viewing this. They're trying to increase the viewership and try to get more people exposed versus just the hardcore gamers that want a shot-by-shot game. That would be sick, but I understand what they're doing. I saw you play some of the game, and it was... I watched you do the skyscraper. I watched you do the skyscraper office spaces, and then I watched you do the Boston Museum, and it it reminded me so much of those sequences in the game. Just I was like, wow, they did a phenomenal job with this. My question is, are there diff? Are there is there going to be another formation of like clickers or? These clickers with the giant fungi faces, is that the final form of them? It's not the final form. I wouldn't say that there's a final form, and I don't want to spoil the future infected. So don't think okay. of these clickers, think of them as infected. So okay. what we know or we've, we've been exposed to are the runners. Those uh-huh. are just, again, the ones that are running. They're, they're most humanoid looking. 
And there's stalkers who are more of a fungi-like infected look. Uh-huh. But then the clickers are the ones that we saw in the Boston Museum that aren't in that game that early on, actually. Okay. They're not in the game that early on, but I like how they introduced them I think sooner. they had to. They needed to show them a monster yeah. versus a zombie, I think, for, for viewers to go forward. And so the clickers are scarier, obviously. They're more violent, and they have better hearing, you could say, because the rest of them, they, they don't really— they, they don't really see you. Obviously, Joel explained that to Ellie non-verbally in the scene. Yeah. So, but they have really great sense of hearing, but they're also like bats where they, they do the clicking to be able to do, was it sonar? Sonar. Sonar, basically. Like a submarine, Mr. Wayne. To be able to move and attract and discover yeah. prey. I, I, I will say there's one thing missing from the show so far. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Nobody's been throwing any beer beer glasses anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no beer bottles being no thrown. No distractions. But there I'm are, sure they will sometimes. There are a bunch of video game references, which I would love to bring up right now since we're on the topic of. That would be a great reference of throwing either a brick or a bottle to distract yeah. a clicker or a foe. I would love to. What I loved seeing for video game references, the slow reload on the revolver that Joel was doing when he's like, "Oh my god, I'm out of bullets!" And there's a yeah. clicker right around the corner. I'm gonna try to slowly and silently reload my revolver. That gun is so slowed at reloading. He has hasn't obviously hit a workbench yet to increase his speed on reload. <laughs> <laughs> but he will get. He'll get there someday. But I love how that was tied into the from the game as well. Clearly, the creators played the game, even though they didn't really want the actors to play the game or watch the game because they didn't want them to think of their performances as those characters from the Makes video sense. game Makes versus sense. what yeah. they're trying to do with the show, how different it is. So that was a great, fun Easter egg. If you play the game, you know how slow the revolver is at reloading. This episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Don't forget to use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. And they do a bi-monthly movie poster giveaway contest with us. We have one live right now. So if you do want to enter for a chance to win a free movie poster from MoviePosters.com, go to our YouTube channel and make a comment in our video game adaptations episode. Once you make a comment that enters you into the giveaway contest, we're going to reveal the winner on Thursday. So be sure to stay tuned for who we select for the winner of a free poster. And if you don't win, be sure to go to MoviePosters.com use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. Crossing Planks, another great sh- quick reference. You'll see a lot more of that going forward, absolutely, from getting to building rooftop to rooftop. Hiding below the desks in, like, counters and, like, waist-high yeah, counters. Yeah, I remember seeing you do like, that. No yeah. one, and when you're doing that in the game and you're nice and slow, silent, no one can hear you or anything. So I love that sequence for sure. The flashlights in the dark. In the game, they're, like, attached to their shoulders. But it is what it is. It's, it's probably better for the performance as actors to put it in their hand. And also... Boosting Tess up, like a lot of in the opening, you're like boosting Tess up to like get ahead of you somewhere and she pulls you over like these like tall building, I mean tall uh, park structures. structures and yeah. everything. 
the Boston Museum looked incredible. Again, they filmed this in Calgary, so they must have built these huge interior sets because I looked up filming locations because I was curious. Did they, like, shut down the Boston Museum? But no, they made all these interiors, which looks fantastic. I'm sure they built a huge soundstage. This is, I believe, one of the biggest productions ever done in Canada for a film or TV, which is really cool. They're definitely filming in a huge soundstage. And they're filming in uh, Calgary mostly, and obviously Casey's there, so she's like, oh my god, they're filming where I live. Uh, no way. And also the music is incredible because it's being like turned on in the specific moments that happen like in the game in those moments, as well as the walking and talking, giving exposition and character development while we're walking these landscapes. They got to exterior daylight a lot sooner than really you do in the game because you spend a lot of time in the first couple hours in the dark going through buildings but as soon as they had to figure out how to get to the state house the the long way or the short way the short way in my head i'm like that's definitely going through the buildings and the long way is going around i'm like oh i can't wait it's like it's like lord of the rings when they're trying to cross the mountain in uh oh yeah frodo yeah, decides the, to go to yeah. the moria the mines of moria let, let, let the ring bearer <laughs> decide we go to moria <laughs> we'll go through the caves <laughs> so those are probably my favorite video game references from the episode tying directly to the game. And the actors are doing pheno a phenomenal job. I think that all three... What I like about this episode was it's just the dynamic of three actors, whereas it was a lot of characters introduced in the first episode. So there was just, like, a lot going on ensemble-wise. Plus, like, just the extras in the Boston sets. This one, just three people. I like the smaller scale. It just feels like survival mode from start to finish and I, I you're on edge the whole time because anything can happen and and you're it's just like they did a great job of, of feeling like that and all three actors did a terrific job of portraying fear anxiety uh suspense and pedro pascal he's doing a lot of really great subtle work because joel is like clearly a very stoic person a very a private person he hides his emotions deep down even Tess, she has that great line where she clearly has loved him, but he, she never asked him to reciprocate that love or actually speak about that. It was, it was unsaid, but that's basically that little quick couple of lines they had right before she died. And so he's basically closed off him, himself emotionally because uh, obviously his terrible past, but the 20 years leading up to this is imagine what the guy went through. Not every, what everyone went through, but clearly Tess, she wanted to make something with them. And he definitely kept a wall between them. You could feel that. You could sense that. Because when she first revealed, when he first was like, oh, you were a bit, she went into him. She went towards him in kind of like a comforting, like, partner way. And he recoiled. And then she stiffened up. And she's like, okay, fine. We're not going to get uh, close here. And then she revealed it. It was like a really great moment where she wanted to be tender. And she was like, hey, we're partners, you know, we're together. And then he he shut her down. That's what he's always been like with her. And you got that sense from these two terrific performers doing really subtle work, but it, it speaks volumes on screen. And I think also what's fueling great performances from the actors as well as great directing is minimal exposition. They're only giving it to you when you need it. They're not overloading us with everything from each person's past. They're just giving us little hints here and there. And I, I love how they're not afraid to have long moments and beats of silence because they have to be very silent, especially when they're wandering through the city, especially when they're in the buildings trying to cross to other locations. You got to be quiet. You got to be silent to not attract any runners or clickers. And I like how they're not afraid to do nonverbal scenes, even with in daylight when they're, you know, they think they're safe because obviously you know, you, a clicker can get you anywhere, a runner can get you wherever. Um, they don't like the sun, obviously, which they showcase when they're all like moving away from the sun in those giant hordes on the ground. But I think the the minimal but 
Ex- but the minimal but important ex- exposition and placing it in the right ways, like when Joel is explaining or they're explaining to Ellie that it's kind of like a hive mind, and Tess is telling her that like if you do something here and, and you kill one here, the rest of them can feel it and they'll send them to you. And it's just a little Easter egg foreshadow of what's gonna ha- come at the end of the episode. The, the game it doesn't happen where a horde comes at you like that at the state house, but I like how they did that for this. But I was like, what the hell? Shit! I was like, let's go. Oh this God. is sick. <laughs> it was a really cool ending. And I can't wait to see the next episode. I didn't watch the trailer yet, but if it, they stay true to the game of where they're going next, I'm very excited. I don't – see, I don't want to watch the trailers. I was doing this with House of Dragon. I don't want to see the trailers for the next episodes. I want to walk in blind. I'm just playing completely. the game, yeah. and then I'm, I'm going into the next episode. I'm try, I'm, so I'm going to stay ahead of the show with the game. And they're doing a really great job with the humor too. It's not like – obviously, it's not laugh out loud, but you're getting moments of levity. You're getting that moment to chuckle, to have a nice laugh, and it's obviously coming from Bella Ramsey and Pedro. Pascal have a lot of great chemistry together and you can see how at first he's very reluctant to, reluctant to go anywhere near her because he knows he's been she's been bitten and he, he thinks that is this any day now until she gets infected and then when she falls onto the piano and he helps her up he grabs her hand he was he didn't even realize he touched her and then when she walked away he like looked at his hand and for a moment he was like he was worried that he got infected just from touching her. I thought he was looking at his broken hand. Yeah. I think it was I think he was like oh man I touched her I didn't I yeah. didn't want to touch her you know she's infected, and so it's great to see the dynamic is slowly they're slowly getting closer and getting more comfortable with each other and then I think maybe maybe at the end of this episode Tess finally convinced Joel to be like she's different she's really not infected and she could be something that could help save the human race going forward. I don't think that he's going to be fully convinced until maybe later on in the season. He's. It's important that, especially if you have a heroic figure, uh, for them to, to question their journey, for them to be reluctant in a lot of ways. Because uh, it, it shouldn't just be like, yeah, let's go full steam ahead. It's good to have a conflicted lead character, a co-lead character. And Joel, I think, is a terrific guy who, he's stoic. He has such a dark past, and he's been so damaged by the last 20 years. I think that Pedro Pascal is showing that just in his face with so many subtle expressions, just the way he moves, the way he looks at things. I think that Pedro Pascal is probably the best actor on television right now. Wow, that's a big that's a big statement. He's, he's doing a phenomenal job. So far, I, I yeah. can't wait to see going forward. And like, Just wait. Episode 3, I, I'm not seeing a trailer. I'm assuming I know what's next and where locations are next. It's going to be excellent because I was just waiting to see something cool. And as soon as they got inside the Boston Museum, I was like, Oh my gosh! Let's go. Anthony, you watched me do this part. Remember, <laughs> it was really great. I like. I was a little disappointed. I think I saw a shot of a CGI clicker when he turned around. Yeah, the when it turned to the around the glass. There, it, yeah. because the actors were doing went, yeah. great, and I was like, it didn't. And when he shined a flashlight on it, it was definitely a CGI clicker. You could tell from the arm. I was a little yeah. disappointed. I'm like, why did they have to do a CGI clicker right there? Right there. Maybe it didn't work out. With my the guess person. is it could be. A, could have been a production problem where they needed the shot. It could have been a pickup. Could have been. And they didn't have time or the money to do the prosthetics on, an, on a stunt person because that could be quite expensive. So my guess is that was a pickup shot. Like and, a it's, it's to- and it's totally acceptable. Pickup I mean, like they did like another day. Yeah, after. exactly. Like it could have been months after they re- filmed that scene or, or whatever and they just couldn't do the actual complete makeup, makeup prosthetics. But I, didn't, I did notice it was one shot. It was when it, it, in the Statehouse Museum when he's against the glass and it turns away and goes from left to right. And it, it was like it's back to back right arm was towards us. And I was like, oh, that arm is definitely CGI. But it was just one shot. Otherwise, I really like the design of the clickers. It reminds me of fungi growing on tree trunks. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Against trees where it has like those layers of the bloom. And that's what's like 
covering each person's face. I like it was it was really cool and also they're doing a great job where Joel and Tess aren't like unloading and Joel is clearly being very reluctant to use a lot of ammo. Like he's just using what he needs to use to take out a, a clicker or a runner, which is he's obviously very smart. Like when he took out the second clicker, it was just like a one shot, it fell and then he did one shot to take it out, to execute it. Like he's not wasting ammo. So I think that it's just like it's great to see like the mags only have so much many bullets in them and he's using them sparingly, which is accurate to someone who's so well trained who understands the fact that I only have so many bullets. I can't. This isn't an action movie from the '90s where I'm just firing a handgun for five scenes straight. <laughs> where did they get all these bullets? <laughs> well, look. At, listen to this guy using the right terminology. Mags. Magazines, mags. mags, bruh. I wish you get an assault rifle in that early in the game because that would be a lot easier. But I love the fact that they're conserving their bullets, which I noticed as well. The lead pipe works well too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't wait to see where they're going next. Again, we didn't watch the teaser trailer. We're going in blind every episode because I think it's so much better like that. Yeah, but if if it's their same through the game, which they've been doing a great job of, I can't wait for episode three. I'm also curious when we're gonna see Tommy again. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, I, I I mean I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I'm sure he's coming back. I'm sure he's coming back. <laughs> Gabriel Luna. He's he, he signed on for a reason. He's more than one episode. I'm sure. Yeah, well, he was the Terminator in, in Terminator That's Genesis. Right. In Genesis. Yeah. But this cast is just really terrific. I can't wait to see. Anna Torv did a great job. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. sad to see her go after two episodes. I'm yeah. sure they'll, she'll be back for like flashback sequences. Yeah, she has five episodes in the IMDb cast listing. Yeah, so I'm so, sure she'll yeah. be back. And I just can't wait to see. And also, we didn't sh- mention Bella Ramsey, who's knocking out of the park. She's fantastic. Firing on all cylinders. Firing I can't wait to she's see. She's fantastic. As I, if I can get this out, I can't wait to see Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey going forward. Just them two, their dynamic, which we've just been getting so like used to and just loving so much, and just watching them two together. As their chemistry building, which is clearly there, and they're starting to slowly let out and get the audience involved. And I think they did a good job giving Tess like a majority of the dialogue between her and Joel because she's gone in two episodes, basically. So I thought that was great to give her more of the dialogue and kind of a more like a leadership role until her until her death and sacrifice to get them some time away from the runners and to kill them all. And then now we're just gonna pass it on to. To Ellie and Joel, and there was a shot that where they there's a shot where they basically said it's the two the duo, and it's when Tess is tying up tying up her ankle, but she clearly off screen was probably looking at her bite, and Bell and I'm sorry Ellie had gone onto the other roof, and then she told Joel to go 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 take care of her, so Joel went onto the other roof with her, and then there's a great shot where it was the camera it was a two shot of both of them looking straight ahead off camera, and we're facing them. And it was just like really nice, warm, dusk light on them. It was basically just like the duo. You know what I mean? It was like first time we saw them on screen in like this really beautiful framing for the first time. I think that was the audio, the filmmaker saying, all right, from here on, it's these two going forward. Great foreshadowing multiple times in the episode. And again, just astounding production. The exteriors looked terrific. The interiors also looked exceptional as well. Huge interiors. Even even just the small interior of what you consume is like that hotel suite with the professor talking to the general where everything was gold and yellow. I thought that set looked terrific. So great production design, great acting. I after the episode end, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. that was great. Yeah, and I it, was I was heart my Anthony heart was, was like, let's I'm sold. Let, yeah. I'm sold on the show immediately. Yeah. Like, let's go. What and, a terrific episode. And with the CGI backgrounds, what they're doing, which is very smart, is they're shooting with a lot of long lenses. There are a couple of wide shots, but they're mostly using pretty long lenses, even for shots with like 
leading them walking or whatever, they're able to with the with the blurry background with the long lenses to be able to like mask that it's obviously CGI. They're able to make it feel like, wow, this is a real space behind them and you can see the excess gross of nature and earth or what have you or destruction behind them, but it's out of focus and it's a really great way of masking the CGI. And if you notice, it looks like they'll be shooting a lot of the show like that. And that's the smart way to do it, to make it look as, it looks real. It looks like it's really there. If they were shooting all wide lenses in the background with super in focus the whole time, you wouldn't be able to see that it was CGI and it wouldn't quite work. So they're doing an amazing job of utilizing both cameras, lenses, production design, and visual effects to create these incredible sets and make them look real. And really creating those disturbing atmospheres, interiors, exteriors, with the fungi growing everywhere. Fungi. So cool. I'm very excited about the show going forward. And wow, this episode blew me away. It really did. I'm just all in on this. Let's go. This is my show of the year. Cannot right wait. Let's go. I can't wait for Sunday nights now. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for tuning in to our episode review of The Last of Us, episode two. Infected. Infected. Please become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.